Italian Wine Podcast. Chin Chin with Italian Wine People. Welcome to the Italian Wine Podcast with me, Monty Warden. My guest today is Pier Paolo Guerra. He is from Tenuta di Capezzana on the commercial side. So uh, just list down before we start, what's your actual role at um, Capezzana? So I am the export manager for Tenuta di Capezzana and I've been working for Capezzana from the last uh, two and a half years. So where are you from, by the way, Pier Paolo? I was born and raised uh, 30 minutes away from Carmignano. Uh, the, the small village is called Larciano. Uh, it's actually in the opposite side of the Mont Albano. It's very close to here. And did you, um, when you were small, did you want to work in the wine business? Were your, was your family involved in wine at all? I actually didn't. Uh, my grandfather used to make his own wine because um, he owned a one hectare vineyard in Larciano. He had his own cellar, but I, was, I wasn't involved in the wine business, business until I went to London when I was 19 years old. I actually uh, left uh, Italy to improve my English, um, and I've heard that the um, hospitality business was doing very well in London. So that's when I decided to leave and to improve my English by working in the hospitality. So I started working in the restaurant business. And I was very lucky to live uh, with other sommeliers, which got me very involved in the wine tastings. Uh, they were studying for, the, for their master court of uh, sommeliers, to be advanced sommeliers. Um, so that really helped me to get involved uh, in, in the wine business. Um, so then I decided to study at the WSCT. Um, I got the, sub, the second level. And then I became a sommelier in, in my uh, last experience in, in the restaurant business. I was working in my fair as a head sommelier. And also, uh, and, and that's when I decided to, to move back to Italy to study enology at the University of Florence. So now I st I'm starting the fourth year of university, almost finishing the my studies. It took me a while because I was working while, while I was studying and, uh, and Capizana hired me two and a half years ago. Um, I actually started in the hospitality business and then after just a few weeks they sent me straight away to the United States as a brand ambassador and that's that's when I started um, working in the in the export. Okay, what what makes um, what why is uh, Capezzana Tenuta di Capezzana to give its full name? Why is it so special in, in terms of its history in Tuscany? So Capezzana, it's um, very special because it's one of the oldest winery in Tuscany. Uh, we found a document from 804 A.D., which is certifying the production of olive oil and wine. At that time, it was the Carlo Magno time, and um, Capezzana it certainly predisposed to the viticulture and the olive trees groves. At that time, during Carlo Magno, there was a soldier called Martino, which was looking uh, for a place to start to make wine, uh, and he decided to make it here at Capezzana. Uh, we found this contract uh, between this farmer and uh, the church of Seano, 
from 804. And it was a rental contract between the farmer and the church in order to, to let the uh, property of Capezzana to the, to the farmer, in order to make wines and also olive oil. Yeah, it's interesting. It's also the site was a, an Etruscan site with Etruscan tombs, I believe. So it's got a lot of history uh, to it. So one of the most historic wineries in, in Italy, I would, have, I would have thought. So who owns the uh, winery at the moment? So the winery right now is owned by the Contini Bonacossi family with the, with the fourth and the fifth generation of the Contini Bonacossi. They bought the estate in 1922 with Alessandro Contini Bonacossi and Vittoria Contini Bonacossi. They made a fortune between the 19th and the 20th century by collecting many pieces of art and dealing those pieces of art with great art collectors from the United States. And um, they were traveling all around Europe in order to collect those pieces of art. They actually lived in, in Spain for a while uh, and they felt in love with, um, uh, with the chateaus. They really wanted to buy uh, something similar to a chateau here in, uh, in Tuscany. And at the beginning of the 20th century, they decided to come back and live in Florence. At the beginning, they uh, used to live in Villa Vittoria, which is now the Congress Palace of Florence. And in the meantime, they were making wine and olive oil here at Capezzana. They actually bought the estate in 1922. And the Contini Bonacossi family is, very, is a very important family for Florence um, because they gave their entire, entire collection uh, to the Uffizi Gallery. If you go to the Uffizi Gallery now, there are nine rooms uh, dedicated to the Contini Bonacossi collection. They were art collectors and they started straight away to collect every single bottle of wine they, they make. And um, we are very fortunate and very lucky to have uh, bottles from 1925 ordered back in our wine cellar. They're also very good at taking cuttings from vineyards outside of Italy, uh, notably from Chateau Lafitte in Bordeaux. Tell us a little bit about why that was so important. That, that was very important because um, the Contini Bonacossi, especially Ugo Contini Bonacossi, was a close friend to Eric de Rothschild, which owns two Grand Cru in France, uh, Chateau Lafitte and Chateau Lafitte Rothschild. And uh, because of their relationship, he was able to uh, take some cuts of Cabernet Sauvignon from Chateau Lafitte, from Bordeaux, and plant them here uh, at Capezzana. You have to know, Monty, that here in Capezzano we have a very similar terroir uh, to Bordeaux because we, have, we are very close uh, to the Apennine Tuscan Emilian Mountains and we are located in a slope uh, to the Montalbano. We are actually uh, northwest of Florence. It's just 40 minutes away uh, from the city. And also mm, the, the soil is very similar to Bordeaux because it was originated by seashore cracks. So we have very a very diversified type of soil we call it a, a chaotic kind of soil because we have in some in some vineyard we have limestone in some other we have clay in some other albarese and galestro rocks it's very diversified and because of the distance within the mountains we have this beautiful cool breeze which makes our wine our wines very elegant but also long lived do you have a particular preference when you're tasting the wines in the cellar at um, harvest where all the lots are kept separately. Do you have a preference for the kind of silkiness of the schist or the 
directness of the limestone or the frankness of the clay? Monty, to be honest, I, I love this mixture because um, it's, it's a mixture that allows to have very complex wines. We, we had a tasting in, in October with, um, with some journalists and uh, we were tasting 12 different vintages from 1930 uh, to the latest vintage, 2017, Villa di Capezzana. And we found even the 1930 alive, you know. It was unbelievable how this wine can age uh, very, very well. You know, um, the, the Medici family, uh, during the Renaissance, they knew that um, Carmignano was the perfect place uh, to grow many different kinds of uh, grape varieties. Caterina de' Medici, which was, was married to the King of France, she actually brought Cabernet, Alicante, and some other international varieties here to Capezzana because they knew that this terroir uh, could easily help those kind of grapes to uh, grow. Um, and at that time, they wanted to make a wine with more structure, with a higher amount of polyphenols that could travel very well. Uh, so they started to, to try many different kinds of plants. And at the end, they found Sangiovese and Cabernet, the perfect blend uh, to have a wine that, can, that could travel and also that could, that could age very, very well. So the Medici actually made the first Super Tuscan uh, 400 years ago. You know, it's weird because sometimes when I talk to people about the Super Tuscan history, which was from the 60s, the Medici found the perfect blend for Tuscan wines for elegant Tuscan uh, wines already in the, in, uh, during the Renaissance period. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, it, it is one of those unique aspects of, of, of where you're coming from about this idea of um, Tuscany, Bordeaux or international blends. And, you know, you're right that people think it's a modern phenomenon, but it really isn't. It's a very traditional or historic um, phenomenon particularly in this part of Italy. And also, it's interesting to have those Bordeaux varieties at slightly higher elevation compared to where they normally are in Bordeaux, for example. Okay, so um, the estate is also certified organic. Why, did the, why, did the, why was that change made and is everybody happy being organic? We're actually very happy to be organic. It's our uh, philosophy to have healthy uh, soils for the future generations, but also for the people which are working for Capezzana. Uh, Vittorio Contini Bonacossi that, uh, used to be part of the fourth generation actually he actually passed away uh, two and a half years ago he was very passionate about the organic agriculture uh, even when it wasn't uh, fashionable you know he really believed in the organic and uh, he started straight away with um, some agriculture uh, practices such as uh, the green manure for example which is based on the planting leguminous such as fava beans in order to uh, naturally add the atmospheric nitrogen uh, to the soil. We avoid the chemistry in the vineyards. We are uh, trying our best to fight, to fight any fungineous illness very uh, naturally. And also this organic philosophy is brought in the vinification process. We use a very low amount of, of added sulfites and uh, we also do uh, spontaneous fermentation with our own indi indigenous yeasts. From, uh, since 2013, the University of Florence comes uh, every year to study every single strain of Saccharomyces cerevisiae in our wine cellar. 
Uh, as you know, the Saccharomyces cerevisiae brings its own unique aroma during the fermentation process. And uh, since 2013, we could reach 59 different uh, uh, strains of uh, Saccharomyces cerevisiae. So that's very important to have a very unique wine. Our wines, I believe, they're mm, very unique and they're talking about the terroir that we have. We don't like to use the overuse of the oak, for example. Even uh, during the maturation of the wine, we use a very low amount of new oak. It's just 10% of new oak. And we love to use, for example, tonneau, which is a little bit bigger than a, a barrique. It's a three, 350, 500 liters of container. So, you're, I mean, you're lucky where you are as well in terms of, you know, the altitude and the cool uh, conditions you've got. So you get a decent acidity in the wine, which helps aging, as you mentioned already, but also does make winemaking a little bit more easy to be a little bit more hands-off. Yes, exactly, exactly, yeah. Let's talk about some of the wines because you make a tremendous amount of wines. So if you just um, uh, go through, um, I don't know, start off with, uh, we start off with whatever you want, but um, some of the key red wines uh, that the estate makes. So I would start from uh, Barco Reale. Barco Reale di Carmignano is a very representative wine for uh, Capezzana. We were actually the first to make Barco Reale in 1984. And Barco Reale di Carmignano became a DOC in 1994. So if you want to compare our uh, denomination to Montalcino, Barco Reale is something similar to a Rosso di Montalcino. So it's the um, younger version of Carmignano. It is made with the younger vineyards, but it's a beautiful approach to our land. It is made with the traditional Carmignano blend, so mostly Sangiovese and a little bit of Cabernet. As I said before, Cabernet, it's, um, it's almost a local uh, varieties for Carmignano uh, because what was brought during the Renaissance. So by the law, Carmignano is the only denomination in Tuscany where a minimum of Cabernet is required in, or in order to make the DOC or the DOCG blend from a minimum of 10% to a maximum of 20% and uh, added to the Sangiovese. And Barco Reale was actually a wall uh, th that was built by the Medici family that was surrounding the commune of Carmignano, uh, Poggia Cagliano and Quarrata uh, that the Medici built to distinguish themselves to the rest of the Grand Duchy. They loved to come here uh, during their uh, leisure time because the wines were already very good, and also they were using this area for hunting. They started to build many Medician villas in this area, because if you go to Chianti or uh, Siena, you see plenty of castles, because those areas were areas for battling during the war. The, those hills here in Carmignano uh, were the secure hills for and the countryside for the Medici family. So that, that's when they started to make uh, and to build beautiful uh, Medician villas, uh, such as the, the one that we have in Artimino, for example, which is a, a UNESCO patrimony. Okay, tell us about the, the Reserva. So we have uh, the Carmignano, the, actually the flagship wine is uh, our Villa di Capezzana, which was the first label uh, designed by Alessandro Contini Monacossi. Uh, the blend always been the same, mostly Sangiovese with a little bit of Cabernet 
Nowadays, we make it with 80% Sangiovese and 20% Cabernet. And uh, it's our flagship wine because uh, the label was uh, designed by Alessandro Contini Bonacossi and uh, it's um, very recognizable as a, as a label. It's white with this beautiful font that was actually designed by Alessandro Contini Bonacossi. And that's the wine that we uh, are very fortunate to have vintages ordered back from 1925. Since 2006, uh, we decided to hold back uh, 3,000 up to 4,000 bottles every year of this wine uh, to put them back uh, onto the market 10 years later for this 10-year project. So um, uh, the the year that we release uh, the Villa di Capezzana, we also release a 10 years older uh, Villa di Capezzana just to show to the market the potential of aging of our Carmignano. Yeah, so it's like a reserve, isn't it? A reserve. Not a reserve, but a reserve. It's um, a library release. And, um, yeah, and so it's, it's looked after by the estate in perfect conditions and it's aged. So when you put it on the market, it's ready to drink, yeah? Exactly, yeah. We do this service for the market. <laughs> So, I mean, for the Villa di Capetano, either the Normale or the, the uh, Reserva, what is a good food match? What is your favorite food match? Uh, for, of course, the Florentine steak. <laughs> we, we recommend it very rare, al sangue. <laughs> uh, but any kind of meat would be good with, with our Villa di Capetano, honestly. I had it with, um, with deer, for example, but any kind of meat would be very good. Another Carmignano that we make is our Trefiano, and Trefiano is a reserva. Trefiano is actually a villa which is located uh, a few kilometers away from, this, from the estates. It's another property of, uh, of Capezzana. And uh, Vittorio Contirimonacossi used to live in, in Trefiano for more than 30 years. And in 1979, he decided to vinify the three single crew vineyards uh, nearby the villa. And uh, at, at that time, he decided to make a Carmignano Reserva. So this wine is a truly beautiful Tuscan wine. Uh, it's more a Brunello style of wine. It has uh, 80% of Sangiovese and 10% of Cabernet and 10% of Canaiolo. Our Canaiolo is a, is a Massale selection that we have been doing for fourth generations. It's a beautiful Canaiolo with small grapes it's not like the big canaiolos that we see around in Tuscany. And uh, I think it's a beautiful wine, very austere. Uh, it needs a little bit of time to be understood, but uh, it's, it's, it's actually one of my favorites that we're making. You know, obviously, Villa di Trefiano, and you said there were three single vineyards. Is, is that why it's called Trefiano or not? Was that just coincidence? No, I, I, think, I think the name uh, the name of the villa comes from the Ruccellai family. And the Ruccellai family... Uh, were the one that built Trefiano along with the Medici family. Uh, at the time of Leopoldo the Medici, uh, the, the, the Ruccellai became the uh, Medici accountants. And they wanted to have this beautiful villa that has a microclimate into a microclimate because it's the last uh, hill before Florence and it gets the sunshine first day in the morning and uh, the sun goes, very, uh, goes away very late during the day. So we have a, in, in, an even higher amount of uh, uh, polyphenols and the beautiful maturation of the grapes. So that's when uh, we decided to make our own uh, Reserva uh, from Trefiano. Okay, tell us about uh, Ghiaie delle Furba. What's that? Ghiaie della Furba. It's very difficult to be pronounced, especially in English. Maybe Ghiaia was much easier. 
um, and the name Ghiaia della Furba uh, means Ghiaia means pebbling soil, rocky soil. Um, there is a, a book written uh, by Francesco Redi, uh, that was a physician and a biologist uh, at the time of the Medici, which is called Bacco in Toscana. And he used to say that Carmignano wines uh, were the favorite wines of the Medici, of the Grand Duchy, and they were coming from a rocky soil because we have this um, a good present of skeleton in, in our, in our uh, soil. Um, and so Ghiaia means pebbles, and uh, Furba is a small stream that uh, flows nearby the first vineyard of uh, Ghiaia della Furba. So that's why the name Ghiaia della Furba. Uh, it, it's like a wine that comes from pebbling soil nearby the river Furba. So it's a long story. And uh, the wine was born in 1979, uh, at the same time that Trefiano was born. But it was actually the first wine in Tuscany to be vinified in Barrique with a Bordelais blend. So at the, at the time in 1979, uh, it was one third of Cabernet Franc, Cabernet Sauvignon and Merlot, like the traditional Bordelais blend. And then since 1998, when Benedetta Contini Bonaccossi took over the position of winemaker, she decided to change the Cabernet Franc with the Syrah which gives a little bit more of spiciness to the wine, which is a little bit more round. Uh, and I believe it's a great, uh, great blend. And, uh, you know, uh, now those wines are called Super Tuscans, uh, but Ghiaia della Furba has its own brand and history. It doesn't need to be defined uh, Super Tuscan. La Monanera? Monanera Bonaccorsi was um, first owner of Capezzana uh, in uh, late uh, 15th century. Uh, she was the one that built uh, Villa di Capezzana, uh, which is the core of our winery. I would really commend to come and visit us because this part of Tuscany is actually not very well known because we are such a small denomination. Uh, we account just for 13 producers. Uh, we are the smallest DOCG in Tuscany. Um, but it, it has so much history, which is difficult to be, uh, you know, tell in, in just 20 minutes. We have an hospitality center with a, a beautiful bed and breakfast and also a wine bar. And we do wine tours. Uh, we also have a beautiful cooking school for, for our customers. So um, I would recommend to come to visit Capezzana when will be possible. <laughs> Hopefully... Hopefully soon that we think uh, if the vaccine start to go well, uh, we believe that this summer we can, we can already host you at Capezzana. Okay, you've got um, two more wines to talk about, which are um, two very interesting wines, which are your Vinicenti, your Vincento di Carmignano and the Reserva, which are fantastic wines. Can you just tell us a little bit about those two, please? Uh, so Vincento... Um, it's it's a wine that goes against any any uh, analogy uh, law because it, it's a very traditional wine made in Tuscany. Uh, at Capezzana, we've been doing Vincenzo for a very long time, from centuries. And Benedetta uh, learned how to make this wine from the one that was before her, and uh, it's very traditional. It's a wine that is made uh, with the best selection of our Trebbiano grapes. Trebbiano is another grape that we do a masale selection from uh, four generations. Our Trebbiano, is a, we, we, we call it a, tr a pink Trebbiano, Trebbiano Rosa. 
it's a, it's a Trebbiano with grappolo spargolo. That means that the grapes are well divided one to each other. And we do a selection of those grapes in September when the grapes is a little bit underripe because we need lots of acidity to contrast and to balance the sweetness at, at the end of the process. Because our Vinsanto is a sweet wine, of course, and it has more than 290 grams of residual sugar per liter. So if you don't have enough acidity to balance, uh, the, the wine would be very sickening to be drink. So we do this selection uh, early in September, and uh, we put those grapes um, in, uh, in, uh, in uh, small boxes, in small wood boxes. We bring the grapes um, uh, in the appassimento room in the Vinsantaya, where the grapes uh, stays to fully dehydrate for up to five months. It's very important that the room uh, hasn't any humidity. Uh, the grapes, uh, they have to be absolutely perfect uh, until they are vinified. Uh, after the four, those four months, they are vinified and they are taken to a room which is called Vincentaya, uh, where are the caratelli. Caratelli are very small uh, chestnut or uh, cherry casks uh, where the wine stays for up to seven years. Uh, by the law, to make the Vincenzo di Carmignano Reserva, you should store the wine for uh, three years. At Capezzana, we keep it for at least six years. It's a wine that makes us proud every single vintage, even though it's, uh, you know, it's very hard work to get to the, to the wine because it takes at least seven years or eight years to, to be ready, to be drunk and to be uh, uh, enjoyed by the market. But it's a wine that makes us very, very uh, proud every single vintage. Uh, not not last uh, in 2019 with the Reserva 2011 at the International Wine Challenge, uh, we won uh, the best sweet wine from all over the world, and that was an amazing achievement for for this wine because we were competing with the much more famous sweet wine like uh, Sauternes or Porto wines. Uh, so it was a, a very great ach achievement for Capezzano. Yeah, what's nice about it is you've got that a bit of altitude and coolness to give the backbone. So the sweetness is, um, it's obviously sweet, but it's refreshing rather than cloying. And I think that's one of the great advantages. Uh, and also just the, the way that it's made, even the, the time in oak. It's, um, it's a very, very complex wine. The, the most underestimated wine style in Tuscany, the Vinsanti, Vini Santi, for sure. And hopefully people will switch back onto them because they are wonderful, unique uh, wines. Pierre Paolo, I want to say thank you to you. Um, you've spoken very eloquently about Tenuto di Capizzana, a beautiful estate, very, very historic, uh, a lot going on there, huge improvements made over the last 10, 15 years. Um, and um, we wish you and your team and everybody there every success in the future. And I will come and visit, okay? Yes, that, that's what I was about to say. Please come and visit us, Monty, anytime you like. <laughs> it would be a pleasure to have you here. Yeah, your explanations and descriptions have um, been very concise and very, very elegant. Um, well done, you. Thank you. Thank you, Monty. No worries. Take care. Listen to the Italian Wine Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. We're on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Himalaya FM and more. Don't forget to subscribe and rate the show. If you enjoy listening, please consider donating through italianwinepodcast.com. Any amount helps cover equipment, production and publication costs. Until next time, cin cin.